Who are the top 10 quarterbacks in the Big Ten? It's Top 10 Tuesdays. Hey, you are no locked happens, on Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden turns out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. And today is Tuesday and we're kicking it off with a new segment for the entire offseason, Top 10 Tuesdays. So let's get it. I am excited. I've got some suggestions on which Tuesdays or which top 10s you want to hear on Tuesdays. I've been loving those suggestions down in the comments. So I will be getting some of those in as well. So if you're an everyday or if you're a listener that's tapping in all the time, drop in the comments what you want to hear for top 10 Tuesdays and be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any of these Tuesdays and other Gophers content moving forward. Now, if you're an audio listener as well, you can still get in on the fun by sending an email to lockedongoldengophers at gmail.com to let me know what you want for the top 10 Tuesdays and what top 10s you want to hear. Now, today's top 10 is the Big Ten quarterbacks. But before we dive into that, I do want to talk about one quick topic. Who is in that tier two when it comes to Big Ten? Because we always talk about the top tier of Ohio State and Michigan and maybe Penn State, you throw it in there. But who is tier two? Uh, I had somebody in the comments talking about Michigan State being in there. So I just, I had to jump in. I had to think about it. And we're going to talk about that very quickly before the Top 10 Tuesdays. Now, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. Now, when we're talking about Tier 2 and the tiers in the Big Ten in general, what we should really look at is not the history of the programs, not how well they have been over the course of decades or the last decade. No. History contest isn't what gets you into the current tiers for the here and the now. And that is very important to stress. Yes, history long term is important, but in tiers today, it shouldn't bear much weight. If you ask for a tiers in the SEC, you're not going to hear folks saying that Auburn and Florida should be in the top tier. Now, Auburn and Florida have championships, national championships. They have some dynasties over there in Florida with the Tebow era and whatnot, but they would not be near the top in today's era of the SEC football. They might not even be tier two if we're being 100% real with ourselves. Now, I haven't d- jumped into the SEC to really tear that out, but that's what I'm saying is those programs are storied and they have great legacies and they have great history and they have history in the past couple decades but as of the here and now they're not up there so despite the championships despite the legacies at this moment in time they're not there and that is exactly how we should look at the big 10 as well now we can all project a little bit into the future and with the coaching changes and the potential impact transfers, because we don't know how they'll carry over or how they will produce at this next level in the next year. But in my opinion, 
you only should be looking at maybe the past four or five years and projecting slightly what's to come. Now, with all of that said, there are a hands down, a top tier in their own class when it comes to the Big Ten. And of course, that is Ohio State and Michigan. Ohio State in the last four years has had 42 wins and in the last five years has had 55 wins. So they stay in a class up there at the top. Michigan, 36 wins in the last four years, 46 in the last five years. And both of those teams are the only schools to make the college football playoff during that time as well. In fact, not only once did they make the college football playoff, they made it multiple times. So they're absolutely in the top tier of their own. And some might, uh, uh, some might argue that Penn State should or could be in that tier. And some might argue that Penn State should be in tier two. For me, they're kind of the tweener. They've done a little bit more than the teams I would put in tier two, but they haven't done quite as much as what I would do in tier one with Ohio State and Michigan. Now, if you have to absolutely have to put them in one, I'd probably push them more towards tier two at the moment. But Penn State does have a Rose Bowl win in the last few years, which is great. But Wisconsin's been to a Rose Bowl in the last five years, I believe. So they're maybe closer to Tier 2 than they actually are Tier 1, in my opinion. Now, Penn State has 33 wins in the past four years and 42 wins in the past five years, still getting above that 40 clip in the five years. But then you dive into the rest of the Tier 2 teams, in my opinion. Iowa has 34 wins in the last four years. Minnesota has 32 wins in the last four years. And Wisconsin has 30 wins in the last four years. So all of those teams are the only other teams in the entire Big Ten Conference to get above 30 wins in the last four years. If you push that to five years, you're looking at 43 wins for Iowa, which is actually more than Penn State has with 42. Minnesota has 39 and Wisconsin has 38. So they're right on the cusp of that 40 in five years. Anybody else, anybody else in the conference isn't a game or two within 40 wins in five years. In fact, anybody else in four years isn't even around that 30 wins mark. So that's tier two for me. That's the cutoff. Now, people might be like, well, Minnesota hasn't won a New Year's Six Bowl game or a high-level bowl game in that time. You're right. You're right, they haven't, but they've been one of the best teams when it comes to their finishing record. They finished in that top 30-ish area multiple times in those top or in those last four or five years. They've had nine plus wins in the last three full seasons, which only nine teams in the entire country have done. So I would argue right now they're on in tier two. That might be the bottom part of tier two. They're not maybe the top of the top like Iowa and Penn State that we're talking about. But they're in that bottom end. Now, Wisconsin could maybe be argued ahead of them, even though they have less wins in that time period. They have uh, higher New Year's Six Bowl games in that same time period as well. They've been to a Big Ten championship in that time as well. So <clears throat> I could see you arguing them above Minnesota, putting Minnesota maybe at the bottom of that tier. And that's just me trying to be objective as I can be. Now, pushing past that, I don't think anybody else has a case for tier two. The person that I kind of had a couple comments with back and forth in the comments on a video was saying how Michigan State is tier two and Minnesota needs to get to their class and they're still fighting to get there. Sorry, dog, but Michigan State hasn't been tier two for quite some time now. You know, yes, you've had a year or two here or there in the last five years, but 
This isn't the 2010 through 2015 time that Michigan State was up there consistently. In fact, Michigan State has 25 wins in the last four years, 32 in the last five. So they're the only team that gets close to that kind of standard we've set with the 30 wins in the last four years or close to 40 wins in the last five. They're, they're eight wins away from 40 in that last five. They're five wins away from 30 in the last four. So they've been getting some winning done, but a heavy majority of that came from one season, an 11-win season. That's almost 50% of the 25 wins in the four years came from that one season. So I'm not there. They're not tier two, in my opinion. Now, could they get there if they can get back to it? But Vegas doesn't think that's a thing because they have their line this year at five and a half games. And you know what? I would take the under on that right now. So I'm just not there with Michigan State. The other teams there behind them, behind them in tier three for me, would be Purdue, Illinois, Maryland, and Indiana. Now, Purdue has 23 wins in the last four years. Illinois has 21 Maryland has 20 and Indiana has 20. They're all kind of right there, close knit, tight together in tier three. And Michigan has a slight, Michigan State has a slight lead on them in that little gap, that little chunk. Now, if you go to the five years, Purdue has 29 wins, closer to Michigan State. Illinois has 25 wins. Maryland has 25 wins. And Indiana has 25 wins in the last five years. So you can tell that's a tier of its own. And then the final tier, in my eyes, there's four tiers. The fourth tier is Nebraska, Rutgers, and Northwestern at this given point in time. Now, can these teams try to get themselves out of this tier in this next year? Yes. Do I think it'll happen in one year? Probably not. It might take two to start to get yourself out, but you also start to get rid of some of the bad history and add in the two new years. So you see how the tiers can be ever-changing in that four to five year window. Now in tier four, you've got Nebraska with 15 wins in the last four years, 19 in the last five, Rutgers with 14 wins in the last four years, 15 in the last five, and then Northwestern with 14 wins in the last four years, 23 in the last five. So that 23 gets them towards that tier three level in the last five years, but it's been tapering off. So again, I'd put them more towards tier four. That's kind of how I see the big 10 tiers right now, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the top 10 because it's top 10 Tuesdays and we are talking about the big 10 quarterbacks. Now, 10 of them, that means four of them got left off the list. Who will be the four left off? You're going to find out, but first let's talk about a word from our friends over at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel brings you the show, and you can head on over to FanDuel.com slash on to take advantage of a no-sweat first bet. Now, if you're excited for that time in college football, you know what? It's May, and we're talking about college football, but it will be here before we know it because it's almost June. And if you're listening to college football podcast, you're like me, and you're obsessed with this thing. You just need to talk some college football, and you can't get enough of it. Well, now's the time to go over to FanDuel.com slash locked on and when you make a bet and you don't win on that first bet you can win up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets now i went and checked out the lines because they're there for week one and we had talked about that with house on the show the minnesota was favored by eight points in that first game against nebraska now that line has shifted minnesota is in favor by seven and a half games so if you want to take advantage of that line being larger now is the time to get in there before it is too late because by the time we get closer to fall to august 
I'm telling you, that line might look like a six. That line might look like a five and a half just because that line is ever changing and they're getting more and more information and the hype for Nebraska is just going to grow. Now, I think Minnesota is going to win that game and I think it'll be by more than a touchdown. So I would hop in on that line right now. And if you lose, you get that no sweat first bet. Head on over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Golden Gophers and making us your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. And a shout out to all the everydayers. I love the suggestions for the different top tens that we could look at. Some of you have suggested top ten uh, upsets during the time in Minnesota. We definitely get that on in the offseason. Some have said top 10 players on the offensive side for Gophers history. Some said top 10 players on the defensive side for Gophers history. If you have a top 10 you want to hear, drop it in the comments below on YouTube or send us an email. The email is in the notes on YouTube as well. But let's get into it. This is Top 10 Tuesdays, and we're kicking it off with our number 10 quarterback. And our number 10 quarterback is none other than Hudson Card. Now, I've seen hype for Hudson Card. He's Purdue's quarterback. He comes from Texas. I've seen hype in some people talking about already. Oh, it was just unfortunate that he got beat out because Quinn Ewers was a top prospect that came to town. He was the top prospect in the nation. So, like, you can't really blame him, but all the talent's there. And I'm just like, that's a little bit of revisionist history there since Hudson Card couldn't beat out Casey Thompson for the job and not one but two years, and they were back and forth. And in fact, I think the only reason he really got playing time was due to a Casey Thompson injury. And so that job for the 40 acres down there in Texas, he was splitting opportunities or barely getting opportunities due to injury with Casey Thompson there. The same Casey Thompson that was up and down with Nebraska in the Big Ten and is now on his way to FAU having lost out on a QB competition in Nebraska and coming back from yet another injury. So that's number 10 for me. I'm not as high as some folks want to be on him. I'll believe it when I see it, but he hasn't put that much on the field in general. Now we move to number nine, and number nine is none other than Ben Bryant. Ben Bryant over at Northwestern. Yes, Northwestern has a top 10 quarterback in the conference in my eyes right now. And that is because there's a lot of unknowns in this conference, especially in those bottom four that we won't really discuss in today's show. But he found success with Coach Fickle at Cincinnati after the Cincinnati legend of Desmond Redder went off to the NFL. Now he graded well with PFF, especially this past season. And that graphic has been circulating how he has the best PFF grade um, of the quarterbacks in the Big Ten from last year. Now, not every quarterback that's played is going to or not every quarterback that's going to start next year played last year. So maybe that's why they don't have a PFF grade higher. But you know what? I'll give respect where it's due. And a big but is he's going to North. 
Northwestern. And right now they kind of look in shambles. It looks like they don't really know where they're going, where the trajectory is for themselves right now. But a 3,000-yard passing year and a 2,700-yard passing year with 21 touchdowns, yeah, it's definitely not too shabby, but it can it can he maintain it at a P5 school? Can he maintain it in one of the best conferences in the entire nation? And also, what does it say that Luke Fiskel went to another Big Ten school and didn't get him out of the portal, but went with somebody else? You know what? I think it's interesting. Uh, I'm not going to put too much on that, but he comes in at number nine. Now, number eight for us is Jeff Sims over at Nebraska. Now, I think Sims has a ton of raw talent, but it's the same type of talent that you see with Anthony, Anthony Richardson, who absolutely skyrocketed in this draft process, even though he maybe didn't have all of the statistics that you would normally see from a top five quarterback pick. Now, it's the type of talent that helps explode for the scouts and they see all this potential and you can see the same thing kind of hyping up with Joe Milton over at Tennessee who's gearing up for one season there as well and I think Jeff Sims has a huge arm he's a freak athlete and luckily he's going to a coach that is has had success with those freak athletes and speed players now rule will play a huge amount he'll cater a huge amount to Jeff Sims skill set so I think that will allow him to possibly finish higher on this list. I could be looking at eight and being like, bro, what did I do there? But right now, I've got Jeff Sims at eight because I need to see more consistency honed in on that athletic ability. Now we're heading into number seven, and number seven is Cade McNamara. Now Cade McNamara, you know what? You're putting a whole lot of weight on a quarterback that was surrounded by top-tier talent at Michigan. And did he get the best of that top-tier talent? Maybe, maybe not. I feel like the numbers were good, not great. You know, so overall, I think he he game-managed very well. He's got a fairly good arm. He's fairly accurate. And yes, it's probably the best quarterback that Iowa has seen in quite some time. But if we are going to use that same phrase against the Heisman candidates like C.J. Stroud and whatnot, where it's like, well, they played with some of the best players in the country, some of the best O-line, some of the best wide receivers. They've got a really good defense. So, like, how can we really weigh it against – how do we know C.J. Stroud isn't that – isn't just that guy? Maybe it's just the great talent around him. If you can say something like that about C.J. Stroud in his draft process or with the Heisman and whatnot – how can you not say that against Cade McNamara when he was playing with Michigan? Now, he has the time to get rid of that stigma and that outlook here with Iowa. Now, that's not saying Iowa doesn't have some great talent around them, but Michigan is built on five-star, 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 five-star. They just have it. They're a blue blood of college football. Iowa, not so much. But you know what? I think Iowa has a lot of really good talent around. Uh, they've been bringing in some key transfers, and I think he could make a name for himself there. He had a solid season in 2021, but nothing truly magnificent in my eyes or jaw-dropping. There wasn't huge flashes where you're like, whoa, this guy, he's the man. In fact, some were calling for him to be replaced in that same season by J.J. McCarthy. So now is the time where he can prove me wrong. He could finish higher on this list. He's still got talent surrounding him and could be an Iowa legend if he can put up numbers better than what he did in 2021. 
So that's number seven for me. And number six, before we head into the top five, is none other than your Gophers quarterback, Ethan Kaliakmanis. Now, outside fans might be like, yo, this dude's a homer. Like, this is this is a garbage take. Look, by the end of this season, I guarantee you that this will not look bad. In fact, I think it'll look like the right move having Ethan Kaliakmanis at number six. We didn't get to see Ethan be Ethan out there on the field and truly be himself and hone in on his potential besides the Wisconsin game. Outside of that, the coaches were holding those reins tight. They weren't really allowing him to pass the ball and take the chances and take the shots and use the ability that we've seen time and time again in practices as the media has at some of these open practices in the fall this past season. Now, the coaches held the reins tight. You could see him starting to cook at the beginning of that Iowa game before they absolutely abandoned the passing. I believe he started the game out like seven for 10 or seven for nine with 89 yards and a touchdown in that first Iowa game, I believe, something around that. And then we absolutely abandoned the passing game because Mo had a historic night. He ran for over 240 yards and was absolutely dominating on the ground. And then the Gophers put themselves in a position where they have to pass on a third and long. Iowa knows you have to pass. It's basically the deciding factor of the game. He tries to squeeze it into a tight window. And one of Iowa's cornerbacks, one of the best defenses in the entire nation, jumps the route just slightly. The ball was almost there for the taking and grabs an interception. And Iowa goes on to score and win the game. But... If we could have stuck with the pass, let him continue to groove, you're talking about maybe he is just balling in that game. You talk about the Syracuse bowl game where he starts off hot and then he gets injured. We've seen it in flashes where they absolutely let him cook, but the only game they actually let Ethan be Ethan was in Wisconsin, and we saw what happened in that game. <clears throat> the 20 Gophers 21 defense, 2021, was a top 10 defensive unit. And they, you can talk to multiple players on that defensive unit that said this dude in his true freshman year as a scout quarterback absolutely picked us apart and scorched us. Now, we saw it in the media in fall camp last year in multiple uh, practices that we were allowed to be at, him just dropping dimes, bucket drops, and perfect passes. The ability is all there, and I think this year is the year that Ethan will put up some numbers. Now, I think 2024 will be even better, but I think we'll get a lot of flashes this year. Now that same PFF quarterbacks grade system that I talked about that released some of the top quarterbacks coming back or that will be in the Big Ten and their grades from last year, there were four of them that were all close to that 80 mark and Ethan would be QB5. He came in at just about a 75 grade in the little starts and moments that he had last year. And that's above of the time or above what we saw from Kyle McCord, above what we saw from Drew Aller, above what we saw from Cade McNamara and their little spot starts as well and spot moments. So it's an exciting time for Gophers fans because the ceiling can be even higher than what we've seen. Now, we're going to close this show out with the top five, and there may be some surprises here for you, but the moral of the story is the big 10 quarterbacks are on the rise in the talent department, and who will finish number one? That's what's coming up next. All right, Gophers fans, thank you so much again for tapping in today on Top 10 Tuesday. We're going to wrap this thing up with the top five quarterbacks here in the big 10. Now we got to do this. Nah, we have ten through ten through six 
was Hudson Card, Ben Bryant, Jeff Sims, Cade McNamara, and Ethan Kalik Manis. But let's wrap up the top five. We're going to do that right here, right now, heading into number five, which is Kyle McCord. Now, Kyle McCord, honestly, I wanted to put him lower because I haven't been too terribly impressed in his in-game moments or his spring. In fact, he could still lose the starting job to Devin Brown. But whoever is at the helm for Ohio State with that wide receiver core will absolutely finish as a top five quarterback in the conference. I don't have any doubt about that, whether they they immediately do it for the jump or they struggle and whoever gets replaced. So say McCord starts, if he's not up to snuff, you better believe that the second quarterback, Devin Brown, will be in and be balling. So I'm not too worried about it. An Ohio State passer will finish in the top five. McCord is a former five-star player who waited his turn. He has a massive arm. He played high school ball with Marvin Harrison Jr., and he had a 300-yard passing game in his first ever start, but he was playing against an Akron team that went on to be 2-10 and in that season. So a slight grain of salt there, but overall, he's got the talent. He's got the surrounding cast and I think he will have success at this next level then you move on to number four which is Tanner Mordecai for me now he could absolutely finish higher and I hate to say that you know I'm not here for the Badgers but I gotta give respect when respects due Tanner Mordecai this man has quite literally had a weird huge cyclical massive probably great experience for a college experience now he started out working with Lincoln Riley, sitting behind Kyler High or Kyler, Kyler Heisman. I mean Kyler Murray, who won the Heisman, and Jalen Hurts, Heisman runner-up, and then ended up losing a battle to Spencer Rattler and transferring to SMU. Now, when he was at SMU, he balled out and he had over 3,500 yards in back-to-back seasons and over 30 touchdowns in back-to-back seasons as well. But he also had a propensity to turn the ball over. Now, this was ever-present in Wisconsin's spring game where he had four interceptions, which is just yikes, like, whoo. But, you know, my biggest question is, can he produce at those high levels in one of the best conferences in the entire nation? Now, I think he's going to find success. I think he's paired with an offensive coordinator in Longo who's going to want to throw that thing. And I think he's going to have the opportunities to put up another 3,000-plus, 3,500-plus yard season. But... How will those turnovers add up as well? Is the speed, is the talent going to be different? And is it going to shake them up a little bit at that Big Ten level? Could we see more like 15 turnovers as opposed to the 12 that we're used to seeing? If it gets above 15, we're talking, yikes, bikes. Like, so that's why I've got him at four as opposed to in the top three. He's set up for success, could truly finish in that top three, but I'm more comfortable with the others. Now, number three is Drew Aller for me. Drew Aller, I'm not even going to lie to you. Talent-wise, I think Aller could finish as the best quarterback in the conference. I also think if it doesn't click fast enough, if he can't play up to speed and get through progressions and whatnot quick enough, that he could struggle and be down in that 8-9 range. He's got a wide range of outcomes. But I believe... This is the highest rated quarterback in Penn State's recruiting history, and I buy into the talent. In fact, he's got two dominant running backs in Nick Singleton and Katron Allen in the backfield. So if it does take him a little bit to process and get used to the speed of the game on a consistent basis, those two will bail him out more than more than easy. 
and then they'll be able to kind of let him come along at his own speed. So I think he's going to look good regardless. And if it starts to click and you get the arm talent and everything like that going, like I said, top three easy, he could even be the top one. Now, the IU game and the quick moments that he was able to play in that one held a lot of promise. He went nine for 12 for and two touchdowns. Uh, and I believe 75 yards, and that was his longest sense of action. So you let him get on the field some more, let him find his groove, and he is a dangerous arm talent. Now at 6'5", 242 pounds, this dude has a cannon and is built to help Penn State push and challenge a Michigan and an Ohio State. So he comes in for me at number three, definitely could finish higher. Number two, I've got Talia Tungavailoa. I debated putting him at three. I even debated putting him at four, but that's not giving this man enough credit because back-to-back years of over 3,000 yards and nearly 70% completion rate while playing against Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan every single year. On top of that, outside of playing against an Iowa He typically doesn't make mistakes. He'll have an interception here or there, but he usually doesn't compound them. I think he's had three total games in which he's had more than one interception. Two of those three was two interceptions, which you don't love to see. But one against Iowa, he had five interceptions. Look, I was one of the best defenses in the country year in and year out, so I get it. He had a rough go. But outside of that, he tends to take care of the ball fairly well, and he doesn't let errors compound, which is huge. And the consistency is why I ended up putting him at number two, because I trust him with the consistency, with the smart play, and doing it at the Big Ten level year after year and heading into a senior year. It gives him the edge and the trust for me to do it again. Now, the final quarterback, you can probably guess this one for me right now, is J.J. McCarthy. Now, this one likely isn't a surprise to too many people. J.J. McCarthy showed in that playoff game this past year and the Ohio State game last year that he can sling the rock. Now, I think Michigan might ask him to do that more in this upcoming season to keep teams off guard. But like Drew Aller, he's got two amazing running backs behind him that don't make him have to do that every game. But the run game should give him many more opportunities to take solid deep shots and explosive plays in this next season. I think J.J. McCarthy is going to catch a lot of folks by surprise. And the most impressive thing with him was the 22 touchdowns to five interception ratio. It's rock solid, especially when you talk about two of those five interceptions came in that playoff game where they were down big, they had to score, they had to pass, and TCU knew that, and yet he ended up throwing two. It's a it's an error. He went two and two in that game, but outside of that, you're looking at a guy who was 20 and three for the TD to interception ratio prior to that playoff game. So I think that's impressive in its own right. That is going to be our top five for the uh, Big Ten quarterbacks on our first Top Ten Tuesday. Let me know where I went wrong. Let me know your thoughts. What are your top ten down below in the comments? But the honorable mentions right now, uh, Taven Jackson was with Indiana. Just haven't seen enough to really get excited and put him in there. Luke Altmeyer, who comes from Ole Miss and goes to Illinois, again, could step in and be huge for this Illinois program, and I could look foolish, but I've got him in the honorable mentions. Caden Hauser, I believe, will start for Michigan State, but I have no idea if it's going to be him, Sam Leavitt, or who knows. So I couldn't put a Michigan State guy in here. And then Gavin Wimsett, he's got some talent, but I don't think he is a top 10 quarterback in the, or in the Big Ten. 
that's going to do it for us on today's episode of Lockdown Golden Gophers. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you had a good time. I hope you were yelling at the screen like, Kane, what are you talking about? I hope you were cheering on the screen like, yes, yes, that's the respect that this guy needs. But overall, we'll talk to you next week on a new Top 10 Tuesday, but we will talk to you tomorrow as well because this show is Monday through Friday. But as always, row the boat, sky you ma, go Gophers, and subscribe on YouTube.